Oh my God, I'm so hungover. Why did we schedule this meeting for today? I don't know. Mary, do we have Advil? Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about writer's room roles, and then we're going to check in with our assistant, Mary, who wants advice about her first big Hollywood meeting. And this week's Hollywood hack has me posing for pictures with more confidence. Yes, but first, an update. Our show, oh, The Fix, it yes. has premiered. Yay! Woo! It's out there in the world. Yes, it finally happened, Sarah. Yes, oh my God. The Fix premiered. It was, and I, I have to say, we were really wrecks for days leading up to it. I mean, yeah. like, <sighs> you know, sort of balls on the floor, fetal yeah. position type wrecks. <laughs> but then somehow we were able the night of the premiere to actually enjoy ourselves. Yes. We just put it all aside and had a really great night. Yeah. We had an amazing party. We were so lucky because our executive producer, Chuck Reed, <laughs> um, hooked us up with his brother, G. Joe's Space, which is Sugar Studios. Sugar Studios L.A. Yeah, Sugar Studios L.A. <laughs> I love that name. Um, which is at the top of the the building the Will Turn is in, and it has this amazing view. It has a theater, and it's actually a post-production house, but we had an event there. And it was just, like, so glamorous. It was. It was such a perfect space for the party because everybody could kind of go into the theater and the um, movie theater chairs. Yes. Like, they're so comfortable yes. and soft. And yeah. everybody, it, it did feel very glamorous, I have to say. We often say our lives yes. are supremely unglamorous. Yes. The Last Hollywood jobs. glamorous. Yes. Are yes. generally just drudgery, but... Last night was pretty glam. Yes. So, first of all, thank you to Sugar Studios LA for that. And everyone was just so positive and happy and hugging each other and taking pictures and excited. And it just felt great. I texted my parents. I said, whatever happens, we had a magical night. Yes. Which we didn't think we were going to have. No, we truly did not. Because we were miserable leading up to it. Yeah. And then... After the premiere party that we had with the cast and the writers and um, all of our amazing executives, executives. we went to the premiere party that was happening at Idle Hour. Yes, our HIH listeners had a premiere party, and we got there for like the last 20 minutes of the show and watched with them. And it was so much fun. It was. I did not need that last drink that I had. Oh my gosh! I'm feeling it this morning. Yes. yes. But I was so happy we went. It really, it, it really made my night. I have to say, it was really awesome. Well, it was fun to watch people watching because yes. we didn't do that at all at our party. We were just like, because we've seen, tweet, of course, tweet. the Everybody episode tweet. so many times. We were <laughs> tweeting. We were talking to people. Yeah. We were running around. 
But at Idle Hour, we really watched everybody watching, and that was so fun. It was. All the, like, big twists. Everybody's, you know, yes. eyes would open and jaws would drop. And yes. It was very satisfying. Of course, then, Sarah, after our wonderful, magical evening, we did have to wake up and get ratings. Yes. Which is always extremely stressful. Yeah. And the ratings were kind of eh. Yeah. They're okay. It's that thing of, like, right now the TV business is changing and overnight ratings just aren't what they used to be. Especially for 10 o'clock shows. Most people watch 10 o'clock shows later. They don't watch it live. And so now we're really waiting for Live Plus 3 and Live Plus 7. We talked about those ratings um, on a recent episode, sort of what all that means. Yeah. Um, So, of course, we, we wish... That what we were doing this morning is being just laden with bottles of champagne yes. from all the people who yes. are happy for us. Um, but instead, it's going to be a much more typical television experience of just more waiting. More waiting. You, I guess everybody knows from this podcast that there's a lot of waiting, a lot of just waiting <laughs> and for hoping. Yes. <laughs> wishing, waiting, hoping. Um, but, you know, the response on social media has been great. So Amazing. that's very heartening. People yeah. do seem hooked. The people who watch the show yes. seem to be really into it. Yes, and very engaged. Yeah. So everybody, keep tweeting, keep watching, um, keep telling your friends. I mean, keep the best DVRing. thing you can do is tell your friends to yeah. watch The Fix. Yes. Uh, but really, it, it really was a great night and a great um, capper. The only downside was that Marsha was in New York doing press. Yeah, that was a real bummer. Yeah. So I felt like we did this whole thing, like, you know, linked arm in arm. Yeah. You know, and it, it was sad. I yes. missed her a lot. It was a bummer. Yes. But, oh, well. um, you know, we talked. We'll have to... Get these ratings up, have a season two, and have our premiere party with Marsha next year. All right. That's a plan. Okay. Okay, Sarah. It is time for From the Treadmill Desks of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And believe it or not, there are things besides the fix and the fix (laughs) ratings that we think about. And this week, it's writer's room roles, which is not easy to say. <laughs> uh, because in episode 95, we talked to Ola Shakumbi, who was a writer on The Fix. And we mentioned that his role was as a problem solver in yes. the writer's room, which is not why we hired him. It's just that's what emerged as a great role for him. Yeah, And then it made us realize we have all these other roles in the writer's room. Yes. And right now, all over Hollywood, it's about to be staffing season. So people are kind of dispersing, taking meetings, planning meetings, and thinking about what their job is going to be in the next TV season and kind of who, what role they can occupy in the writer's room. So we thought we would kind of break those down a little bit, kind of when we look around the writer's room, the different roles that we see, which is different than titles. Yes, we should distinguish. Titles are really about seniority. So there's uh, co-producer, producer, story editor, co-EP. Those are all about who's usually just been in the business the longest. Yeah. Um, and those, you tend to have more responsibility as you go up the ladder. Roles is really about what position do you fill in the storytelling. Right. And we found a few. And the interesting thing is 
roles emerge and they can also change over time. Yes. So it's not like, oh, Ola's a problem solver today. Tomorrow he may have a different role. Right. As a co-EP, he will probably have a different role. He won't be the problem solver. Or he won't just be, not that he's just a problem solver now, but like you kind of do more and more of the roles as you climb. Yeah. Like I feel like when we first started out, I was a problem solver. Mm. Like I I felt... um, you know, the room, it's like its own language and you're learning so much and there's so much happening that if you can kind of focus on one thing, on one problem to solve. Yes, exactly. Look at the micro instead of the macro. That can be a very, very useful skill, as we experienced with Ola, who, I mean, came up with some really episode-changing and series-changing ideas just by solving problems. Yes. And, you know, Sarah, it's funny because I was thinking back, what was my role when we started? I didn't, I mean, I was so lost. I don't, (laughs) I had no role. I think I was always good at being social, which is Uh important. I mean, I was always sort of entertaining people. (laughs) And the other thing, I was good at picking out a good idea and then championing it. So, like, if I could detect if someone else pitched a good idea, I could say, that's a great idea. And I could keep going back to it. Like, well, I still like David Fury's idea. Um, I couldn't myself have any good ideas. (laughs) That took a few years. (laughs) Well, the champion. I mean, the champion is an important role in a room. Another word for that would be an amplifier. Yes. Someone who amplifies ideas that may be getting passed over is very important because a lot of times in television, we go back to an idea that someone pitched two days ago. Yeah, all the time. Um, What's interesting as we talk about these is I bet every career has not only a similar idea that they're different roles, but Uh probably the same roles. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Like there's probably the problem solver, the amplifier, The socializer. Yes. And another one that we thought of was the builder. Yes. The builder is such a crucial person to have on a staff. Yes. Because they're the person who can take all these different bricks from different people and assemble them into something meaningful. It's a we talk about like the art and the craft of writing. Mm -hmm. It's the craft part. And it's a very hard skill to learn. It's usually like the upper level people who are the builders. Yes. Usually whoever's number two on staff is like the chief builder. Yeah. (laughs) Is the person who like stands up by the board and is the one who says, okay, like this and then this and then this from everything that's pitched. Um, And that is something that when you get to be that role, then you know you're vitally important to a staff. Um, Now there's also Sarah, the analyzer. Yes. Um, And the analyzer tends to be the most annoying person in the room because often they're pointing out problems or being the logic police. Yeah. um, Or saying, but wait, didn't if we're doing this in Act 1, this makes no sense in Act 4. Yes. They're the ones sitting there with a frown on their face and their chin in their hand going, hmm. Yeah. Um, And as annoying as that person can sometimes be, they do also serve a vital role. Yes. Now, I will say an analyzer can up their um, likability if they also <laughs> pitch a solution to whatever problem they're – if they can be the analyzer and the problem solver together, that's yes. even better. Yes. Um, what's kind of a bummer is it, feel, it feels like as showrunners, we are often the people who come yes. in and have to be the analyzer. Yeah. Um. And sometimes there we have a solution and sometimes we don't. So Yes, that is true. That's the part that I I always feel bad yeah, about yeah. in a room. Yeah. Um, and then there's my very, very favorite, 
the font of ideas. Yes. I love these people. Yes. I couldn't, I mean, oh, when you go into a room and there is someone mm. who is a font of ideas, it is the best thing in the world. Especially yes. if, and this is something we always talk about our friends TJ and Rashid in yes. this way, especially if it's someone who has great ideas, yes. but is not attached to them if they don't work. Right. Because it's like, often someone will pitch something and be attached to it, and then they're bummed if it does if it's not the right thing, and then they're quiet for a while, and then, you or know. Or they just won't let it go, and you have right. to spend an hour and a half talking about it. Yes, exactly. But someone who's just going to be like, all right, that's out. Hey, what about this great idea? Yes. Is like, your dream. Yes, because the truth is most ideas don't work. Yeah, so including you, you, our. I mean, that's the yes. thing you realize. It's not personal. No, it's not personal. I mean, 99 things out of 100 get tossed yeah. from anybody. And so um, to just keep on having ideas and having energy and not getting downtrodden is so valuable yeah. because also it can feel scary sometimes in a room like, oh, my God, what if we don't have another idea? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> but if there's someone where you know, well, well we know they'll have another idea because yeah. they always have another idea. It's very reassuring. It is. And it doesn't have to be that. Again, it's nice if some of the ideas are great, but they don't all have to be great. Uh -huh. They're not all going to be great. No, it's really about like just that willingness to keep at it. Yes. Now, there's also the role of being the heart, the heart of the show. And you're good at this. Yeah, I think of it more as, like, the heart of the character in a way. Ah, uh, like, interesting. I think of it as, um, like, if there's a show that I'm just not going to have great plot ideas for, mm. I can usually manage to sort of get inside a character and pitch an interesting emotional arc. And what's interesting to me about that is that's always the most interesting part of the story. Well, at least to you and me. I know. It is um, to us. But yeah. <laughs> the emotional arc is what makes it not just plot. It makes it a story. It right. makes it worth telling. Not just moves. Not just moves, as Tim and Joss would say. Yeah. And I think that is like once you get to a level where you realize that, I mean, that's when you also start really honing in on the heart. Yeah. And the plot comes so much easier if you have a good so much easier heart, if you have a good emotional through line. Yeah, and then there's also the big idea person. Yeah, we love them too. Yes, the big idea person is the person who comes in and shakes everything up. Yeah, they oftentimes they'll come in, they'll say one thing, and it will turn everything on its head. And um, I feel like I can't run a show. Unless I feel like I'm going to be a big idea person. Right. Like, we have been approached about running shows, and we sort of think about them and look at them, and you always have that thing where you're just like, nope, nope. <laughs> I, this is, like, the clarifying point. Yes. You know? Like, yeah. if we feel like we can have big ideas for a show, we have a connection to it, we, we can do it. Yeah. If we don't, uh-uh. No, because we know that we'll be banging our heads against the wall and that we will not make a great product. Yes. Red flag, red flag, yes. red flag. Yes. And when someone has a big idea, by the way, electrifying. The most exciting thing in the I mean world. electric. Yeah. That is really like the moments we go for. Yeah. Because whether it's us or someone else, I mean, that will get me hopping up and down. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I remember Brooke and Ola pitched mm. a big idea. Yes. Which, again, as staff writers, that's a big deal to yes. have a big idea. Very big deal. Um, 
they pitched a big idea and it really changed some stuff around. It sure did. It overthrew a lot of stuff yeah. and it made the show a lot better. Yeah. Um, all right. So those are the roles in a room as we see them. And again, who you are in one room may be a totally different yes. thing than who you are in another room That's and true. who you evolve to be over time. Yes. It just can be helpful to look at a room and say, well, what do I feel is not happening here? What can I add? Because if you're filling a gap, that's always incredibly useful. And as we were saying, Sarah, I feel like any job you have, there's going to be gaps, there are roles. If you can analyze what uh, everyone is contributing, right. it can help you sharpen what you want to contribute. Absolutely. Yes. So we want to hear from our listeners, do you have a role in your workplace? Is there a role that you feel like you could fill if it's a, you know, if it's one of these gaps that you're talking about. Um, send us an email or a voice memo. We love those to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we give advice to our assistant, Mary. That's going to be fun. <laughs> but first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, it's time for the outer office in which we check in with our assistant. Mary, who has a big thing coming up. Mary, what's going on with you? Yeah, so um, I'm going in for my first ever general meeting as a writer with a high-profile TV production company. <laughs> and you want advice. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, what do I do? I don't know. I don't know. I well, it. first of all, we should talk about what a general is. Yeah. What's your perception of what a general is? I mean, when I worked at an agency and said a lot of generals, to me, it just seemed like for, you know, exec executives at production companies or studios to meet writers. Yeah, okay, that's accurate. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> um, my question is, how did this general come about? Um, well, it came about through you guys, actually, oh. or through your agent's former assistant. <laughs> through our agent's former <laughs> assistant. Former assistant. Okay. okay, that's good. Yeah, so. He has a lot of former assistants. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> out in the world. So, um, yeah, he reached out to me and, and said, set it all up. I read your script and I liked yeah. it, so I had this person read it and they want to meet with you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the yeah. executive that you're meeting with at this high-profile TV production company has read your script. Yeah. Okay. That's fantastic. Awesome. First of all, you should know that's often not the case. <laughs> well, so and it's <laughs> nice that they've actually read you because yeah. it makes it much easier to talk to someone when they've read your script. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but advice for Mary. So she's, well, first of all, what are you going to wear? 
I was going to wear really nice jeans with a nice top and uh, flats. Nice okay. flats. Perfect. Sounds good. That sounds good. Okay. Nailed Mary's it again. a very sharp dresser. Yes. So. Not today, but most of the time. Uh, um, and then the first question you asked us oh, yeah. was... I said, should I pitch my TV show ideas? <laughs> Which I thought, I thought that was a legitimate question. But. Well, it is a legitimate question, but our answer is no. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Funny enough, I was asking our agent the other day, <laughs> should I pitch an idea in this meeting? And he was like, no. <laughs> so advice to us is the same as the advice to you. It's just pitches are, you know, it's really hard to deliver a great pitch. Mm-hmm. So like the bar is so high that in a general, you don't want to give them anything to reject. Now, listen, let's talk about the point of a general. Yeah. Because we have talked about this before on the podcast, but I think it's something we should revisit again and again because this is what so much of Hollywood is about, these general meetings, also called the water bottle tour. (laughs) And it's about getting to know people. We learned this in one of our first generals. James O. Yeah, and it was... UPN at the time? Yeah, I think so. It was a long Um, time ago. Long time ago. And he was telling us that, thank goodness you guys are— We've always had an advantage being a team because we can kind of play off each other and talk, and that's always made it easier for us. But he was saying, oh, it's good that you're telling me about yourselves because a lot of times I have to pull things out of people— And the whole point of these meetings is for me to get to know writers. Mm. And if I don't leave this meeting feeling like I know you, I can't go talk about you to someone else. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's really about me getting to know you and saying, hey, I think this showrunner over on X show would really like these people. I think he should meet them. Mm-hmm. You know, or, oh, I think this executive at such and such network would really connect with her. I'm going to put them together. and. If you don't share who you are, how can they do that? And general meetings can change your career. Big time. We had a general meeting. We've talked about this also with Nicole Norwood very, very early in our career. And she was determined to get us on this Kevin Williamson show, Glory Days. She was just like, Kevin will love you. You would be great for this show. And this is she my mission. made it her mission. And it totally changed our lives. Yes. So... General meetings are super important, and that's why we tell people to know what your story is. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. that goes along with telling people who you are. Know your story. Like, for instance, with you, Mary, I think the fact that you've been doing all this stand-up lately is really interesting. I yeah. think people find it really interesting because it's such a scary, brave thing to do. And so I think that should be part of your story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, the fact that you're from like a town of 100 people in Minnesota is part of your story. That's in my blurb. Yeah. (laughs) In my short little blurb. Uh, And now, while general meetings can change your life, um, they also can sort of amount to nothing. Mm -hmm. But you never know which is which. Probably the vast majority amounts to nothing. Of course. (laughs) But... Each one has that potential, so you need to treat each one like it could change your life. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, one will. And then if you have a terrible, just like totally awful, awkward meeting, which you're not going to, I'm just saying, some people out there might have a bad meeting. We've had bad (laughs) meetings. Oh, we have. (laughs) Um, Maybe recently. (laughs) 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 Um, Like, 
you're just building skills for the next meeting. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's okay to have a bad meeting. There Absolutely. There's always going to be another They're one. They're not all going to be great. Yeah. One thing that might be reassuring to you to remember is the person you're meeting with, it's their job to yeah. have these meetings. Mm-hmm. Put yourself in their hands and let them guide you. Yeah. You know, because they really know what they're doing. Now, that I'm not saying let them just completely take over, but like— trust that they enjoy talking to people or they wouldn't have this job, Mm -hmm. that they want to fall in love with you. That would make their day. Yeah, Yeah, well, and I was thinking because this is going to be, you know, a lower level executive and then they want to, you know, seem great to their boss and and find the next big writer, you know. Absolutely. Yes. Exactly. You guys are helping each other. Mm -hmm. Um, What else, Sarah? Oh, this I have fun. a question. Okay. I know. <laughs> this is fun for us. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, along the lines of, like, uh, the point of a general, I was told, you know, the company's slate for TV development. And what happens if, yeah, none of the shows go through? I mean, then you still had a great meeting. Yeah. And yeah. in theory, they're going to have more shows next year. And they will, might remember you and mm-hmm. might even bypass the general and say, oh, hey, remember Mary that— I'll say girl because that's what they'll say. That girl we met. <laughs> that baby writer is what they'll say. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Um, she'd be good for this, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe they'll have you come in and meet another executive. So even if none of the shows go, it's still very valuable. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. also why we always say have a lot of irons in the fire mm-hmm. because uh, so many things just disappear. You 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 can't predict what is going to be the thing that hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, this is obvious, but just be yourself and be confident. Like, it's hard because as writers, a lot of times we're not performers. Now, luckily, you are, Mm -hmm. so maybe that'll be easier (laughs) for you. But you don't want to be too unsure of yourself because it'll make you seem not ready. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you want to seem ready for a job. Yeah. And confidence is part of that because they want to think they can put you in a writer's room and you're not going to, like, crumble, Mm -hmm. as some do crumble, as I myself have crumbled. So um, I would say confidence. Don't let your Midwestern, um, you know, sense of modesty keep you from shining. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think also as women, we often don't feel comfortable presenting ourselves as like, we are the inevitable choice. We are awesome. I do think in this, I'm generalizing, Mm -hmm. but like, I do feel like men are better at just selling themselves yeah. and sort of embracing their amazingness and convincing other people they're amazing, whereas mm-hmm. we tend to feel like we're overstepping if we do yes. that. Yeah. Um, so just, or you're like, awesome, yeah. you be awesome. I think it's also in a double whammy because the Midwest thing is if yeah. you do it, you feel like you're bragging. Yes. And then if you're bragging, you're being rude yes. <laughs> in your, in your yes. mind. <laughs> now, here's a question. Thank you note. Mm. Yeah. Now, I definitely think she should send a thank you note. But I sort of feel that an email thank you note is sufficient, mm-hmm. not a handwritten. 100% agree. I think it shows, again, more confidence. Mm-hmm. Yes. I we uh get thank you notes fairly often from people who we've met with. And emails are always totally fine and it definitely makes people more memorable. 
If they send a thank yes. you note. If yes. If they send a thank you note. Mm-hmm. Just because you're, when you're meeting with someone, you're usually meeting with a bunch of people at the same time mm-hmm. because there's some job or some something that you're meeting with people about. Sending that thank you note really can be the thing that makes you kind of stand out. Mm-hmm. So but definitely. I do think email is sufficient. I think sometimes yeah. a handwritten thank you note can feel trying too hard. Well, and also people lose handwritten thank you yes, notes. Yeah, that too. And if I'm thinking about a job six months from now and I'm like, oh, that Mary person, I can just, you know, yes. look you up right in my emails and mm-hmm. you'll pop up. So Now, let me clarify, by the way, the handwritten thank you note. If it's someone you've actually worked with and then they give you a handwritten thank you note, that's ideal. That's wonderful. Yes, that's, that's very, very nice. That's very thoughtful. Yeah. That's wonderful. We love those. Um, but, but if it's just a meeting, I think an email is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then like a job interview, you know, they always tell you ask questions at the end. Is I mean, is there a sort of a repertoire of questions you mm, have? That's a good question. <laughs> well, well, first of all, that reminds me that a question they will definitely ask you is what TV shows you watch. Oh, yeah. And what TV shows you like. So all so j- just be prepared for that because. I am never prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I know it's coming, and I always go blank on that question. It's just like a glitch in my brain. So know that they'll ask and and be ready with mm-hmm. your answers. Oh, and I do that too. Yeah, I I like I yeah I'm you like, like blank I, out. I don't watch TV, but then I I do. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing is, if they ask you, well, what do you want to write? Don't say. Drama, comedy, movies, TV—say <laughs> one thing. Okay. In, in your case, I believe it's comedy. Yeah. TV yeah. comedy. I would just hone just right in on yeah. that. It's much better if you have a, a particular answer because, again, it allows them to see you in a lane, and mm-hmm. being seen in a lane is actually a good thing. Yeah. And I do think you should have a couple questions prepared. You know, like what project are you most excited about? Mm-hmm. Just, just basic questions. But don't feel like you have to force them in. Mm. I mean, one thing you could always ask someone, well, um, you know, what's your, what would you do at this stage if you were me? Mm -hmm. What would your next move be? Or what do you think would be valuable for me to write next? What kind of script? (laughs) Is there a kind of um, script that seems to be most in demand? Or, you know, I mean, something about their expertise Mm -hmm. that allows them to share what they know about what's going on in the business. That's good. Yeah, that's smart. All right, Mary. Do you Go feel prepared? <laughs> and be general. I will. I will. I like two cups of coffee before I go into. Yeah. And um, Brooke recommends this, you know, the power pose, doing a power pose. I don't know what that is. That's like the soup, you know, the superhero oh, pose. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, do that in the mirror before you go. Okay. I don't know. I if thought it you works. meant in the meeting. <laughs> no, not in the meeting. For don't God's sake, don't do that. Not in the meeting. No, no. All right, you'll be great, Mary. They're gonna love you. <laughs> and next up, we'll reveal this week's photo Hollywood pack. But first, an ad break. Okay, Liz. Now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. Yes, and Sarah, this is a hack I actually got at our meetup a few weeks ago, the one we had at the Federal Bar. I met this woman, talking to her, and she was saying, oh, you're probably going to be taking a lot of pictures today. You want to know my photo hack? And I said, of course I do. She's an actress. (laughs) She said to uh, basically 
when you're someone's taking your picture, you turn your head a bit to the side so that they get your jawline. And apparently that is more flattering of an angle than straight on. Wow. And so you and I, I trotted right over to you and was like, Sarah, we have to do this. We adopted that immediately. (laughs) All of our pictures from the meetup were like turning our head this way and that. I feel like I'm still figuring out my perfect angle. Like, I'm never sure if I should turn left or right. You don't want it to be so much that it's obvious. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes it's not flattering, but other times it's incredibly flattering. So I'm still working on it. When you have to figure out, like, if one person is turning their head one way and, yeah, right. like, which way are you turning yes. your head? It, yes. It's, when I also feel like now there, it's like, it has to be a high angle. You're supposed to yes. sort of lift your neck yes. and Jut out. jaunt your yeah head out a little bit, sort of like a turtle, and then angle your head to the side. Like, yeah. I feel like the selfie pose thing is, it's getting a little overwhelming. Well, this isn't even selfie. This is actual photos. Oh, just photos. But it's, you're right, but it's like... But both are overwhelming. But I do feel like, even though I feel incredibly silly when I'm doing it, mm-hmm. I do think the pictures are better. They are. There's no doubt. Like, if you look at the pictures of us from the premiere party and the after party that we went to at Idle Hour, the viewing party, they're good pictures. And I'm doing all those silly things with my head. Yes. So tip of the day, show your jawline. Um, Let us know if it works for you. (laughs) We're here to serve. That's right. (laughs) And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Again, thank you to Sugar Studios LA. You can check them out at sugarstudiosla.com. And thank you, of course, to everyone at Cadence 13. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins. We wish you luck in this big, wonderful general you've got coming up. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram, at S. and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Oh, yikes. Our Zaytun thing got expensive. Oh, that's our inexpensive dinner? Like, is that going to be too much? Okay, well, let's look at it. Because that's going to be, that's a lot of food. Like 40 pieces of falafel. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That was just her suggestion. Mary brings snacks. Because, I mean, $80 worth of hummus seems excessive. Like a lot of hummus. For 20 people. Yeah. That feels like, uh, I I mean, a lot of hummus. Yeah. Yeah. $80 worth of hummus. From the Onward Project.